Hey everyone, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me. Now today we have part two of the Guitarist Roundtable, uh, hosted in conjunction with the amazing Stevie Taylor from the Gig Life podcast. Our guests are Peter Northcote, Chris Kamzelis, Ben Rogers, Mark Malouf, and Daniel March over the Skype line. And yeah, we had such a great time. So we're going to jump straight into part two. So let's hand it over to Stevie Taylor. Hey, welcome to part two and the conclusion of the Gig Life Podcast, Guitar Speak Podcast, Guitarist Roundtable. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. I hope you enjoyed part one. Um, if you haven't heard it, go back and check it out. It's pretty cool. In part two here, the guys expand a bit more on how they're developing their business. We talk about gear, the whole analog versus digital debate, you know, XFX, amp modeling versus tube, etc. Fender Stratocasters versus boutique guitars. Um, Favourite rig, Desert Island rig, guitar techs, young players who are inspiring, um, playing with a drummer, and a few other listener questions as well as much more. So once again, many thanks to Pete Northcote, Chris Camzellis, Daniel March, Matt Wakeling of the Guitar Speak podcast, Ben Rogers and Mark Malou for joining me on this Guitarist Roundtable. It's been a real blast. So ladies and gentlemen, here it is, part two of the Gig Life podcast, Guitar Speak podcast, Guitarist Roundtable. Cheers. Um, this next question is yours, Matt. Is it? Yep. What if I ask it? You um, <laughs> <laughs> gear. Oh, man. No, no, we missed one. No. Oh, yeah. how, oh yes. Yeah. That was a good question, too. How have Because when we, when we talk about gear, that's when I go for a walk. What okay. strings do you use? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to use a drum on my guitar. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Drumsticks work. We've kind of touched on this. How have you built your business? But is there anything to add on that? Like the idea that I'm the only one with a day job. How I built my business, I, I went and got, did a music degree and became a school teacher. And... Uh, that was I, I, went, I went and didn't finish my music degree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left. I nearly. Left, nearly yeah, I left there. on my last exam. I went, I went to my, my bass teacher, Erica Jai, who we were just talking about, and I was doing commutes three or four times a week between Canberra and Sydney because I was doing so many gigs. And I was working with Darren Percival. I just got a gig with Jade McRae. I think it was just as I was about to start working with like Guy Sebastian and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I, I, I can't drive this 1982 Gemini back and forth from Sydney with a drum <laughs> kit and a bass quad in it. I'm going to, it's just getting crazy. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to play. And he's like, why are you here? And I was like, all right. And so I just left. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I failed. Just, I just, come on, A&U, just give me like a, you know, what, what is that thing they give Honorary. to me? Yeah, yeah. I'm one of those. <laughs> Doctor of rock. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, all that paper doesn't mean anything in the end, does and, it? And that's you what know, I mean. And that's what to... my teacher said. He goes, he goes, man, you know. Yeah. I did, I, he, like Eric, I, I'm pretty sure Eric, he moved to Australia and had to do a 
diploma of teaching so he could teach yeah. at the ANU. I'm like, man, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're incredible. Like, you know, that's like, like Jim Kelly had to do the same thing. Yeah, and it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. Um, business. Well, you know, I've been really, really lucky with my business because, you know, like doing so many sessions and it was at the stage where I was doing, uh, you know, three to ten a day. So it was incredible. It was studio hopping and I had a, a, a full-time employee that would lug my gears around and change my strings and drive me to and from gigs. So it, it wow. was a real business for me. So, and you know, I had him for like five years. And before that, I was doing it all myself, like all day. I remember we were starting sessions before mobile phones came in, before, just when answering machines kind of started. So I've, I've kind of... You, so you did know. you have like a message service like the head? No, I, I, we had it in those days. We had an answering machine, but you would drive to your session and come home and there'd be a message on your answering machine. Oh, right. And then eventually you got these answering machines that had a beeper, so you could call from any phone and you could beep into it and it would play back your messages. Yeah, right. Right? So when mobile phones came in, it was like, whoa, mm. it was a trip. So, so, but business for me was always about uh, putting all the money back into my business. It was always about buying great gear, buying the best gear, and being able to use it and, and you know, if, if, if there was something that needed a mandolin, I'd go and buy one yeah, and right. learn how to play it. Right. So everything went back, money went back into the business and it kept kind of snowballing. And, and, and if there was a style that I didn't know how to play, I'd learn how to fake it. So I just kind of yeah. kept adding and adding and adding and adding. And then I got robbed. <laughs> I Three that. times in the space of four months, lost everything, no insurance. Oh, wow. So it totaled me and wow. totaled me. So that's when I moved into the city and, and started again. It was the best thing ever. But um, there, the, the business side of things, I've always had an accountant. I've always had a bookkeeper. And um, I'm pretty solid with everything that I do. So I collect emails. I have boxes for everything. And I'm not anal by any fucking means. I'm pretty loose, really. But I know that as far as business is concerned, you've got to have your shit together. Just, you know, this is not just waiting for the phone to ring and then doing a gig. And there's, there's certain things that, that I adhere to. I believe that email is um, it's professional. Uh, I, I kind of think Gadinsky doesn't book um, Madonna via Messenger or, or an, an app. It's like everything should be on email at least and then there's a trail and it should be – and it's easier to, to – so I've, I have those sort of business things, like little things that work for me that I maintain. Okay, so if I was to hit you up and say on Messenger, Pete, can you do a gig, you'll say, can you send me an email with the details? I, I, that's the first thing that I say. Yep. Most people don't. Yep. But, but it, it can get really confusing, like even the one that you, we, we had the... the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much for me to go. I had to go back and try and find... You know, there's so many things that go on like that. that. That's, that's it, me yeah, and Mark's fault. We're, we're children <laughs> no, of the gift cool. generation. I mean, that's fucking that's, bread and monk, let me tell you, monkeys. Let me tell you one of the problems of, of, that, of that system. And it's happened to me and it happens to a lot more people nowadays is double bookings. Because... Yeah, and, right. Or not being, not being booked enough. So... You know, I've rolled up to a couple of gigs whereby a band has been booked where I say to the guy, make sure if you're booking me, make sure you send it via uh, an email. And he sent me an email and forgotten about it and then done everything on, a, on an app. And then the other band go, go rock up. And it's really, it's a mess because we have too many platforms to go on. Yeah, right. But I like to think that the emails is the, the answer to it all. 
But, uh, you know, getting back to the business of how to maintain it, I think, you know, and, and I was never one of these people to, to, um, to get superannuation, but I was lucky enough when the 80s, my brother's friend started working with AMP and she said, just put $100 away a month. And I started doing it and then it snowballed and then AMP listed and I ended up with 1,000 shares for nothing. And then, so little things like that start to happen mm. as far as, you know, like as you get older, you've got to kind of think of those things. And I never used to, but I was lucky that things happen. But again, business, you, you, you keep pouring back into your business. If I do a gig and it's worth $300 and my parking fine is $299, I'm winning. Do you know what I mean? Because I've gotten to do the gig and I've proved myself and I've... So I always think in, in that, that term rather than how much... I, I'm the sort of person that goes, what time do we start rather than what time do we finish? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, the business, it boils down to a, a number of things, how you present yourself, you know, um, what you dress like, what, uh, how you've learnt the material. It's all those things that are, that are basic. And I think that I learnt that from looking at any major um, corporation. Like I think, what does the uh, foyer look like? How's the service? How's the staff? How's the follow-up? And so everything, you know, I used to put out brochures to, uh, to studios with all my gear, how much I charged, what the future was. I always had um, video recording, uh, video sessions, and I would do stuff overseas. Nobody really took it on, but I had it one of the first, you know, it was black and white video. Right. So I would always maintain, try and find new things to keep it going. And it wasn't because I wanted more work, it's because I loved it. Mm. Anyway, I've spoken enough there. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's gold. I, I think Pete's bang on. I think the whole preparation for business is to create those opportunities for work. You know, if you're not putting in the hours, if you're not buying all the right gear, if you're not making yourself a desirable product, which is what we are, if we're playing guitar for people, then those opportunities don't come. By the way, I've got a lot of gear at home from the 90s. Lexicons <laughs> and rack stuff. Switching systems, and if you anyone that wants to <laughs> sort of go back, <laughs> yeah, that lexicon sounds like a bug. Yeah, there'll be a link uh, in the I, show notes. I, yeah. <laughs> Reverb shop. I've got a Rockman. Um, I've got a Rockman. Yeah, Rockman. Yeah. I've got a Korg A2. Oh, I remember the A2. Yeah. See, I'm I'm the bad end of the business. That was good. I'm I'm the yeah. guy who uh, didn't do any of the. I'm one of the many guys who got to a certain point when. You mean I have to do the last ten years of tax? I'm that. I'm one of those guys Next too. Guy. Yeah, I had many because I just played gigs. Yep. and by and I like to drink and hang out and party, <laughs> and so you just like you know. And and in that time where I, I guess I was the end of that era where you you still carried around your paper invoice book and you'd get cash for a gig. So I remember when I first was living out of home, I had like an old Nescafe Blend Forty Three jar full of cash. And that's how I'd, I'd pay my rent, you know, and my bills. And I'd like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go, let's go. And that's, and that's how you'd live. And then people were like, oh, yeah, sorry, man, this has to go into an account. And I was like, oh, what? I need an ABN. What? Mm. You know, so. Well, I, that's I, why I always had an accountant and had, because yeah, I didn't exactly. want to deal with that shit. It was too much. I still would know, have no idea how to fill out a tax refund. And, and, that's, and that's, I mean, I came, I guess it was because I was like, I'm, yeah, moved out 16, 17, was doing gigs from about 13. Um, 
and then was just getting enough money that I'd stop working a real job at 15, 16. So then there was no super, no one was doing tax and I was getting cash gigs in Canberra all the time. And then because I was young and hungry, people would be like, hey, man, we'll give you um, you know, 100 bucks to do this three-set gig. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, right? Yeah, I'd spend 100 bucks. <laughs> so I was probably working for way less having the best time because I'm getting given 100 bucks cash and I'm like not yeah. even old enough to drink yet and people are signing me into bars going, we'll look after him, we'll make sure he's a good boy. Um, and uh, and then I moved to Sydney and and it just got to this point where like when I started doing biggie gigs where it just like all kind of comes down on you like, whoa, 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 where's mm. your tax? We need your tax. Mm. I was like, oh, no. And so mm. it really took me probably three or four years to get my financial side stuff sorted. And I was lucky because a, a lot of people, when you get stung by that stuff, it, it you're gone. Like you, and that, that's a piece of advice for people nowadays is don't be like Ben. And <laughs> uh, like it was great. Well, you know, like it was great until it caught up with you and then it's really bad, you know. And I know a lot of my mates have, have been in that same boat where, you know, it'll just, it can get really, really rough. Um, like, uh, like I know people have gone through bankruptcy and stuff like that. And they, so they can't, like, basically their career gets, like, stopped. Because you're like, oh, I'm bankrupt. And people are like, oh, 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 I just, oh, oh, okay. You know, so. Look, I, I, I hate to butt in again. I think it's really simple. It's, and I do clinics on this stuff. And the, the clinic that I do is called How to Make a Better Than Good Living as a Musician. <laughs> right? Because that's what I've done. I've been really fortunate. But it's, it's really simple. And the first thing that I, I come up with is be presentable. Look decent. I mean, it's, it's, it's something we kind of, yeah, well, I mean, but, you know, like that's fashion, whatever works. I mean, you wouldn't do that at a, at a, at a wedding, right? But you wouldn't wear a suit at a at the boat shed. Well, maybe you would. So, so the thing is dress appropriately, be on time, make sure your gear works. On the amount of times you roll up to a gig and the bass player's amp doesn't work or, you know, all that sort of shit. You ought to be, I've got two amplifiers in my car at any time. I've got, I always take at least two guitars. So you do all, you get those things. And that's from doing sessions galore. My guitar was always, my car was always filled with guitars. It's, it's true that the day... I always remember like it's that two guitar thing or I remember doing a gig at Lazotte's in Kinkumba and I was like, had the two acoustics and I was like, oh, we're just doing the support. I won't need the other acoustic. And at, at Lazotte's it was like a bit of a slog down to where the car park was. And we were like three songs in of like eight songs and Bang. two strings break in one moment. Uh, uh, and it's just me and Mahalia and I was, I looked at her and she just looked at me like, you <laughs> idiot. And I was like, I'm sorry. And I just had to run down yeah. to the car. And she's like, yeah, so is everyone having a nice night tonight? Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, it's wonderful. Like, yeah, but you get caught out once you don't ever want to go through it again. Totally, totally. And that was that one time. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, never again. All the time I uh, did a gig with Darren Percival. He's like, yeah, we're all going to wear suits. And I was hungover from partying hard the night before. And I grabbed this suit. And I was like, yeah, well, this will do whatever. And I'm like, what's the gig for? And he goes, oh, it's a fashion award. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And we get there and I've got two different colored pinstripe top and bottom, <laughs> like, fully mismatched. And I was like, oh, I look like such a tool bag right now. <laughs> that was embarrassing too. You know, the other thing is, is like, I have a rule that the band, most of the band don't stick to anyway, but I've, I've said it, they all know it. And that is no alcohol before you go on stage. If you want to drink 
take a drink on stage, go for your life. But let's all be on the same level as we are when yeah. we first start. And you know what's really interesting? One, one day you'll do that, Dan. No. I, and I <laughs> think that I, I think that came once when I was playing with Dragon. We were supporting um, uh, Elton John at the Commonwealth Stadium in New Zealand, Commonwealth Game Stadium, 60,000, 80,000 people. And we're supporting and it's, you know, we've been there for an hour. Hey, um, tour manager, there's no beer in the fridge. Oh, yeah, but there's vodka. I don't drink vodka. We'll just have some vodka. No, get me some beer. All right, I'll go and get you some beer. And so it went on right up. Mate, there's no beer here. There's no beer here. Right up until minutes before we're getting on stage and there's still no beer in the fridge. And I... I said, fuck it. Or the band had left and gone to go up the stage. I've gone, fuck it. I'll just get a vodka and lemonade. Got the vodka and lemonade. Filled it up. Got bang, straight on stage. And I've put it on my amplifier and it's gone clunk all over me and all over the guitar and all over the amplifier. And I've gone, fucking where's the beer? (laughs) But, you know, I I think from that and I think that, you know, like not being on the same wavelength before you go on stage, I reckon that's really important to be on the same wavelength. And then although I ask the guys never to do it, they do it anyway. And well, it's, that, that's that's the hidden evil of this industry, I guess, yeah. is the partying thing, which, yeah. you know, I'm sure we've all pushed the boat out in our time. Um, but then again, it's that professionalism. It's like you're being paid. Let's do a great job for the audience. They're paid their money. Yeah. I mean, you know it's fun and you want to party, but that's not what we're here for. Okay. You know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Mm. It's, it's hard to, like, you can get caught up in the... Uh, in the party, yeah. of the in, it's very, it's very easy yeah. and to lose sight of the the gig because that's what I mean. If you're ha- hanging out with mates and you like taste some success or whatever, and yeah, come man, come to this party because you're like the cool guitar player in this band. You're like, yeah, all right, you know. Um, it's real hard, but it is something that you. I definitely say that's a business thing to be mindful of because it's it's like you're saying if you. If you go real hard, get real sideways on a few gigs and word gets around, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's it's just, yeah. and, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably less about business and more about just, you don't want to see your friends or people who you know are talented and you want to do well, you don't want to see them fail by virtue of something like that, mm-hmm. so... It's like I always feel a bit of personal responsibility. If I see someone, I'm like, hey, man, 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 just just cool. Cool it out. Just just chill, please. You know, like because, you know, I've known so many incredible musicians who haven't gotten there because they just, you know, yeah. partied and screwed up. And I'm like, don't know. This guy is imp- some amazing musicians. Man. Yeah. No, it's not just okay. Like, fuck, I've seen some amazing guys just go under because of it. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 and that's business. You know what I mean? Because in this business, unfortunately... That's always there, that 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 side of it, like the party, the drugs, the booze, and yeah. it's like the internet. Your dick pic will always come back to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> How many jobs can you have a beer in your break? <laughs> yeah, yeah or, or a beer while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, while you're doing uh, it. Yeah, oh, I'm not there Friday afternoon with year eight. <laughs> kicking <laughs> off. <laughs> That's See, that was a great thing about uni. I was hanging out with the lecturers. I was like, yeah, let's come back to the oh, dorm yeah. room and let's party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How funny is uni when kids are out of school? They get to uni, there's a bar here. Oh, it's man. open at 2 p.m. Yeah, but see, the thing is when you go to a music uni, it's like, yeah, the, all the music staff are there before you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Dave Finicky. Hey, everyone. <laughs> um, Dan, you got anything to add to that? Building a business? No, I, 
I think the only thing that I would add to it, besides what's been already said, um, said already about rocking up on time and, mm. you know, being a nice guy and all that, um, which costs you nothing, and learning the parts, if it's an original gig especially. I, one thing that I, uh, well, I, I don't know if I do or if I don't, I like to be mindful of it and I think I do do it is, is I, because I've been juggling being on both sides of the world, I make a conscious effort to keep in touch as well. Like, because I don't, I don't want to be the guy that goes, oh, I, I haven't spoken to you for a year, but I'm back. Can you get me some gigs? Mm. <laughs> or mm. be that guy where it's just like, you know, there's there's nothing there. And, and plus what all the other guys are saying before, like the guys you, you, you get, you're kind of there for a hang. So you get the guys who you want to, I guess um, you, I much, you'd much rather put on a, a guitarist that would learn their parts and be a cool hang than some guy who's immensely talented but he's an asshole, you know what I mean? Like, So I, I kind of purposefully try and keep in touch with um, people and I, and I genuinely like them anyway as friends and make sure you hang out with them outside of music. Like I, I, I actually find joy in that and, that, and once again, we'll, I know Ben and I have brought up Yanya, but that's the cool thing about Yanya as well. Like he'll be down to have a have a hang at at whatever time, you know, um, or whatever. And I think that's a part of um, the kind of I don't know if you'd label it professionalism of it, but I, I think it's a massive part because, um, yeah, it it does. You know, not that I'm in it for more gigs, but it does get you more gigs. But it also makes connections stronger, and everything's pretty much run on connections and relationships, you know, but that's pretty much it. Good Plus stuff. everything that Pete said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Pete, can I get the number of you? <laughs> All right, let's talk about gear. Well, let's you talk about gear. Um, I've got a lexicon. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, which, one, which one? Which Rockman. One? Man, yeah, all that the old MPX rack stuff G2. is... With a, with a switcher. I've still uh, got that. I've still yeah. got one of those, yeah. yeah. It's like those old Korg SDD. Oh, is it SDD? What's the, what's the oh, one? Oh, yeah, like, the, 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 delays, the, the delay. The yeah. delay. Man, that stuff is... You know when I first got that lexicon, you know how much it was? With the pedal board? Five grand. Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. Whoa! And I, those are the I sat up, complaining I sat about up buying for a, two days programming it. There you go. Just sat there, just... Night, it was great stay. stuff. It was great. Fun. <laughs> that were great things. Just from excitement, you know. Anyway, yeah. Do you guys like because because that's you know like I guess uh, you, you're my age, right? You're younger 34. than. Oh, yes, yeah, young. You're the young. Well, how old are you? How old? Thirty six. Thirty four. Am I? Uh, hang on. Dance. How old? Eighty three. Am I? Thirty two. And yeah, how old are you, Chris? Forty six. You could all be my children. <laughs> we are. We're in a way, we are. Maybe you are. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, I'm 60 next year. Yeah, I was fucking when I was 14, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that, whatever you do. No. Um, you can be my uncle. Yeah, that's right. But, but you, that's something you, you guys, you guys have seen gear go from like oh, what man, you're talking yeah. about, that, that period. Yeah. And, and also, but then it, it, it always kind of comes back to like, you know, like Dumbles or a Marshall Plexi or... Well... Like, how do you feel about it now that we're in the that's digital really emulation age? Because it's like, it's like digital came, went, sort of came back, went a bit, and now it's like back, back with the whole 
Axe effects, all that. Kind I've of stuff. seen it all, and I've been through it all, and I'm I'm completely digital, and I have no desire to go back to tubes. It's it's you know I remember sitting at my studio once, going, "All right, here's tape, and here's the same thing, some drums on tape, and here's drums off the computer." And I remember going, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." Yeah, I could hear the difference. I thought if I'm going that much to try and hear the difference of something, I'm wasting my energy. And yeah. I tell you what, I love the digital world and I love the Axe Effects. It's my, I haven't, I'm never going back. I'm in there so much now. I love that world. Yeah, I, I feel like in terms of, I guess, all of us, like we're sitting here in a room with an Oxbox. Um, it, it well, that's does, different. Well, that's different, but it's yeah, kind of half of it, isn't it? Like, it's, you're still it's, getting. Uh, you get the front end of the amp, but well, the back end is the emulation. Okay, the, so like that's because I've got the medium. Helix. I've got the Helix, oh, right? Yep. And they're all modelled amps. They've done the whole, you know, whatever they do, scientific thing, off an amp. You know, whereas the Ox is really everyone. Everyone's got the Marshall, their own Marshall yeah, with. There might be some other the chips broken or the some treble other bleed capacitor, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. Which makes it really unique. Yeah. You know? And do you so, worry, that's what I mean, do you, do you guys worry that because we're going, it's it's like auto-tune of guitar, you know? Like, I know there's so much nuance in like Axe Effects and stuff like that, but it's like I always think as a producer, um, you'll hear top 40 songs like we are talking about before. And and I always laugh because you'll hear a song. I can't, there's this one song that was on. And I was like, "Oh man, that's like the when you open Ableton and bring up the organ. That's the first patch." Yeah, it's like it's like when a Juno came out or yeah. a Prophet, and like they went, they turned it on and went, and went "That's it. Let's write a song." And so when you hear that song, you go, "Oh, that's patch one of a." Well, I think that's you know that's the joy for me is is pulling it apart and getting the best out of it. And I spend fucking years trying to get the best out of out of the Axe Effects. And I've been, uh, you know, they gave me one eight years ago. Yeah. So they, uh, they've they kept giving me stuff and, and Andrew Farnham is just the absolute joy because he understands the machine. And I think with Axe Effects, they are a little bit, you know, I, I don't want to put anything down because they're all amazing, but Axe Effects are really beyond. Yeah. With what they yeah. come up with and what they do. Their updates are incredible. The guy Cliff and what he, what he does, he's a He's more than a boffin. He's a fucking. Well, that's that's what scared me about it because it's like that's what I we we used on Jimmy's last tour as we were saying before, and it was just frighteningly yeah. deep the detail you can get into. Whereas I tried the hate the Helix, the stomp, the floorboard one, and that was cool because I just basically pulled it out, plugged it in, which oh sick, cool, yeah. this is fun. Yeah. And then and then I've played a Kemper as well, and that's kind of in between the two a bit, you know, but. Tonally, I, I preferred the axe, which is why we ended up using that on on the on the road. I think the versatility and the the um, you know create like I find myself waking up in the morning going, oh, I could just compress the top end of that amp and get the bottom end, and then I, you know I could put four amps on. And I could put you know you come up with all it's these endless, ideas. Isn't it? It's yeah. just it's you come up with a creative idea and and you can select it live. Like my thing is like because I improvise a lot on gigs. I want to have things at my foot, so I can do things like change a cab. Yeah, you can suddenly be playing through add fenders. A, add, a, I, add some air to the cab. I or, think they've yeah. all got something off a camera. Yeah, Helix. Like the Helix is like having literally 
pedals. Like, yeah, that's what I liked about it. Is that like it's on you can the floor change like, all your parameters. Well, it's like having a pedal board. Yeah, like you just go. Yeah, but, but they're all like that. They're all like that. Yeah, you can. And the thing with the Axe Effects now is you've got uh, with the FC twelve is you've got ten buttons on board, and they do four minimum four things, right? Each, so you can have. You can assign them to anything. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, you could. Have you marked around with the helix? Yes, I have. It's great. Okay, yeah. I love it. Mark, Eddie, Mark's just there going, man, I just want my fender in a face. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm with Mark on that. Yeah, like, but, like, but that's, I still want the amp. And that's what know, I mean. Like, like I, I'm, I'm torn because, like, we we're saying at the. Bef- I think we weren't recording yet, but mm. on a big tour, you can't deny the. Ease of use of an X effects, or when 100%. you're doing shows, it's all convenient for that's. Like, yeah. But but then when you go home, like it's that thing of like I still want a germanium fuzz that's crapping out a bit and it's hot and so it sounds different. And you're like, Ooh, it's you so know what? The pedals don't helix X effects, whatever you want to call it, like any one of them. They're not the same as the pedal. They're just not. Oh, I see. I, that's like saying to me that, that recording on tape is no, different what, to computer. Oh, no, here we no, go. Here no, we go. No, no, what I mean, because I have no problems no, with it. No, no, I'm talking about the pedal side of it, not the amp side. No, I'm saying the same thing. Yeah. You check out what's Axe Effects has gone as far as all those pedals, man. Mm. I, I have to say, I went over to Petey's place and he showed me the rig. I'm analog all the way, but the detail that Pete mm. pulled from all the sounds, man, I've. You know, if he gave me that rig tomorrow, I'd be like, "Yeah, I guess yep. we could all go on." And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. It's right. It's personal. It's a personal yeah. thing. We're I know arm for wrestling. Me you can't see, but we're all arm wrestling. <laughs> it is, and it's a personal thing. And and I get that. I think just as far as I'm concerned, I love it. Not, I love my amp because I've never really loved an amp. I've always been searching for the. Mm. I fucking love it. Mm. Like I'm gone. Yeah, I so want to not- go home and. Jerk off over it at the moment because it's just—it's so good. But that's the parameter. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I guess I was asking, or you guys as guitar players, like, is there one piece of gear, like, from like if if there was one thing that you've played or have that the, when the, you the desert when, island rig? Well, is no, what, the, is what Matt, yeah, Matt said. Yeah, yeah. Kind, kind of that, but just that one thing that you just always come back to. And is go, yours Dumble? Is that the answer? No. Ooh. I. It's funny because you said everyone's going deep. I, I like going deep. But the one piece of gear that I can't do without is the guitar. The rest is fine because yeah. you can make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever you go through, if, if it's your hands and your mind, it'll work through anything. Uh, you just got to spend the time finding what that sound is. But having said that, if I was to choose another piece of gear, it would be a Super Reverb 65. That one, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true about the guitar. It's it's yeah, funny. It's, like I, I'll never forget. We were recording Mahalia's first like full length album, and Diesel Mark was playing guitar, and we did um, Purple Rain as like a bonus track on the end. And Mark's a massive Prince fan, and it was just like it blew my mind because he was just getting mad. Like oh, 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 oh this is terrible. Ah, you know, and I'm like, oh, nothing you've done is terrible. Like, this is amazing. And you go, I just sound like me. <laughs> and, it, and it was, and it's, it's hilarious, but it's like, it's Mossy's the same. You hang out with those guys and they pick up like your guitar, you know, or a nylon string classical that some, they beat up a kid off the street and took and they, and it sounds like them. Yep. And, and, and that's, that, that's the, uh, 
You know, like I realized did many. Did Franco play on that album? No, that's pre Franco. That's oh, okay. that's all. Uh, the very first one is was, all Mark. I was going to say the other, the next one with Franco is my guitar. Which guitar? Hey. Which one? It's the Relic uh, ninety six. Oh. 1996 Olympic white rosewood neck. Oh, is that yours? That's mine. Oh, that's, that's one that has a little mango stick. That's a great guitar. Have you seen his new guitar? He's got a the new, like one. the green one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. You know, I realized many years ago yeah. that the reason why I kept buying guitars, and I've got about 90 guitars, is that I used to think if I tried something that felt really good, I thought, this is going to help me play better. This next one is going to yeah, be the one. This is the one. Yeah. That's like a gambler. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm totally addicted to it. But it's. Yeah, with, with that gear thing, what you just said, I've literally downsized everything. I have a Rosewood Strat, one. I've got a Maple Strat, but I have two of them just in case the, the other one dies because it's getting a bit worn up. And that's it. That's like it. I, I just simplified and got rid of everything. I do have a Les Paul as well and a 335 for sessions and the acoustics and stuff, but they just sit, they sit in my studio just in the corner. The other thing is... which. We spoke about before everyone got here. Mm. Remember, we were talking about um, like the whole uh, not being um, sort of. It's just a material thing. Like it's just a plank of wood. Yeah. So it's all it. in your head. Like it is. But I think whatever part, happens to it, right? You can get another one. <laughs> but yeah, but this. But the beautiful part right? about that though is you kind of have to have a romantic relationship with that thing for it to work its best. So even though you, you, you're like yeah, attached yeah. or detached, there's still something going on there. But at the end of the day, but if that dies, you just get another it's one. It's when it. you're so caught up in it, like Correct. that one thing, that you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the get, prison. Get, get robbed and you'll know all about oh, it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, it's funny, my gem, my Ibanez gem, the floral gem, which has been my main guitar for, for decades, it was, stole, it, was, it, it was lost once and stolen twice and I've got it back each time. That's wow. amazing. So it's like it was meant to be, you know. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a strat like a, it's this pink, shell pink, bitza that I actually bought. It's a funny story. I, I Franco is my guitar guru guy, right? He like he'll just look up and go, hey hey Ben man, um I found a guitar. I'm like man, I'm left handed. He's like yeah, I was looking. I'm like okay, <laughs> thanks Franco. <laughs> Creep. No, um, and, uh, <laughs> but he's found all like he's found me like. Oh, three or four killer guitars, like, and so and he, he found this guitar and he goes, "It's it's pink, but it's really it looks really cool." Charles Silly set it up. Um, it's a bit, uh, it's like a music. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know anything about this stuff, but it looks cool, so I'll try it out. And it was like twelve hundred bucks, and I I think it was down at down at Annandale. He was teaching something, and I went down there and and I and I tried this guitar out, and it was just. I, you know, like you pick up a guitar and you go, yeah, all right, this is incredible. And I played this guitar and I was like, whoa, the strings are light, but it just something about it. It's just had Sir, um, I don't think they're the Fletcher Landau ones. I think it's just the straight V60s pickups in it and stuff like that for all the big nerds out there. Um, and uh, and it was so killer. And the guy's like, yeah, man, yeah. It's, I, I'm like, man, why are you selling this guitar? It's, it's unbelievable. I love it. And he's like, oh, yeah, well. I'm doing a cold chisel cover band and it's just it's just not right. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty right. It sounds pretty killer, you know, like not wanting to say anything. He's like, yeah, no, 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 no. Trust me, like I, I need this and I want this and to be more like Mossy and to do this. And I was like, 
okay, cool, whatever. All right, I'll give you 900 bucks for it. Like, and I was like, okay, he's not, he wants to sell it. So I haggled him down from like 1200 or something. And I got this guitar and, and he's like, oh, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to Lazots to play with Jimmy Barnes and uh, Mossy's going to come down. <laughs> and so, but that, that guitar is like, I, I don't care, but if that guitar went, I would be pretty, pretty devo. There's just something, like I bought the same pickups, put them in a similar guitar just to have a B guitar, you know, kind of thing. Thinking, oh, yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah there's just yeah. this, there's just something about this particular guitar it's not perfect, like has this weird thing where the E string will drop a tone and a half sometimes, which is really inappropriate at times um, when you're in the midst of a song. You know, like it's got gremlins that need to be fixed and stuff, but this it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like it's it doesn't matter how much it costs no. at the end. Like it, it might have been, it's been through something with you and then you just like, you have such fond memories like of mm. that mm. single piece of gear. That's probably... The one thing that I, other than my children and my wife, that I'd take out of the house if there was a fire. Yeah. Oh, and my dog because I just bought a dog. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dan, what, what's what's your take on gear, man? Do you do you have a lot of gear? Do you take out much gear? Man, you're talking to the wrong guy here, man. I, I, bought, <laughs> I love the look I on bought, your face. There, it's yeah, like, the, oh. the rub of the eyes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I bought a, my first electric guitar in. 2004, um, and it was a US standard Stratocaster, and I bought my second electric guitar about two years ago, and it was a Tele's, and I own two electric guitars, <laughs> and that's all I have. Mm-hmm. And that's I, the business. That's a smart business guy, yeah, right there. Yeah. And <laughs> and I would, but it, I think, I mean that that comes down to nothing but financial reasons, <laughs> but I would. Probably um, always have like an orchestra model nylon, uh, steel string. Like I play an OM Martin, which is kind of like, I guess, Tracy Chapman, Paul Simon, John Mayer Martin. And I really like that size um, rather than a jumbo or a dreadnought. And I do love a nylon string. But between those four, like that's everything I want sorted. Like I. I think the telly, to me, is, is is all I need. I mean, apart from the whammy bar, which is why I love the strats. But what Mark was saying about, you know, your fingers creating the tones and everything, I've, I've kind of in my head um, worked a way where I could play the telly and make it believable if I want to go for like a, you know, uh, whether it's an arch toppy sound or like a twangy sound or whatever. And I, I find like, for where I want to go, the telly's the be all and end all for me. If I had to choose one ultimate guitar, as far as rigs concerned, I, I'm, I'm I've always only really played through one 12 inch speaker um, deluxe reverbs or hot rod deluxes. So like that's probably all I'd ever use because I'm just so used to it and I know how to make it hum. I know how to make it feed back to where I want it to go. But um, I don't know. Pedal rig, a tube screamer, you can't go past a tube screamer. But um that's it for me, man. Quite quite easy. And oh generally I'd, I'd say the only technical thing that I would get, I I have to use eleven strings. I, I I find any heavier or any lighter like ele- ele- eleven to forty eight or 
Well, I'm currently using elixirs purely because of the long life thing, which are 11 to 49. Oh, yeah. But I, I can't remember what other ones I was using, the Deodoros or, or Ernie Balls or whatever. But 11 to 49, I've been using for the last at least seven years. And yeah, I'm like 11 to 52 is like the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Is that what B.B. King was using? Sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I was a hero I was one of those dudes because I love Stevie so I was like look 13s is ridiculous so I'm going to try 12s I tried that too man. And I, and I, it's like a fence paling man you could like garrot <laughs> somebody like you like James Bond like you can't even bend the G string when you have the 12s on yeah. there it's like a 56 or something it's outrageous I went the opposite side too like I tried I tried the 10s because I heard I had tried tens and nines for the Clapton and Prince were using tens and nines, and I just it just messed with me. Like eleven was perfect to me. I I could I could bend and and like it still made me work a little bit, but it, it was enough to not kind of get it superly out of tune. Like when I was trying to be Hendrix with the whammy bar, but um yeah, that's the only thing I'd be super picky on. Twelve fifty three on acoustic, eleven to forty nine on electric. Just, yeah. just on those string <laughs> things, I think for a lot of guitarists, there's a lot of myth around strings and tone and all that stuff. And someone said to me a long time ago, if you can't pull tone from tens or nines, don't wow. don't play guitar. Well, did, uh, I, I use elevens, but Winter used like yeah. eights, right? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's yeah. in your fingers. It's not in well, it's the action. External. It's the action. Yeah, and that's where your personal preference of how so it feels you, comes in. Light strings, higher action. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I, I think as I, I get older, my action gets higher. Yeah, yeah, mine's it's, pretty. It's high. really interesting. Like it used to be, yeah, you know. Mine's high too. So, what, so being a drummer. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> explain to me why why is that the case? The gauge. Well, why with a with, with the a, action? Yeah, why would you have a higher action with a smaller the gauge? Strings tighter string. with a heavy heavier gauge. So, right. with with a looser gauge, you get. More vibration like that, and okay. it can probably hit the fretboard it'll and die out. Frets. Okay, gotcha. Cool. That That's still my drummer. Yeah, friends, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's I have like springs on a snare, I guess. You know, if you have it too, yeah, tight, similar. See, I have I have nines, nine to forty twos on my whammy, like uh, locking whammy, like gems, Ibanez's, and I put tens on everything else, and. Uh, the nines on on the gems and stuff work perfectly for me, you know, because it's. And what does um I, I should, do you do like I remember talking with Joe Bonamassa and he was saying that there's two specific gauges that he uses on like say strats and Les Pauls yeah I think he uses like a lighter get like a no maybe maybe it's like a ten Les Pauls are heavier yeah tens on the strat and elevens on the Les Paul because it's a shorter yeah, scale length sure, right. and he said that's just perfect like he goes that no so they feel but you know you know yeah. the thing about him he I don't think he's got high action got, no it's no. not crazy high. But, yeah, it's not it's like crazy low. Yeah, and the other thing is, I remember reading an interview where he um, he doesn't wear frets, so he's he's not a he doesn't grip really hard. No, no, you know. Look at that poor bloody guitar. Yeah, behind you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a that's a technique thing too. Yeah. Oh fuck, my techniques. Yeah, fuck, man. I, I I like I go through strings every every gig. I'll change strings, mm -hmm. and I I will easily go through two. To four picks a song. And you've seen the picks that I use? Yep. They're massive. 
Mm. And it's just I've, I and, do that, but I, that's because I drop them. And I've been <laughs> I've been sometimes just bend so far out of tune. Are they one point five? One point five. Yeah, but I'll right. easily go through two two of those. A, a, oh, wow. a song. A song. Do you, have Fuck. you refretted your guitars? Like, do you have to refret them or not? Uh, my cream strat's been about four. It's probably coming up fifth. How's the neck on it? Is I'm it going stainless steel. Yes. Ah. Because I don't want to lose that guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like a, yeah, it's da- a Danny, Danny Spencer, incredible guitarist, has this beautiful uh, Daphne. Oh, is it Daphne or Sonic yeah, Blue? That yeah, that one. And he's just taking the neck off because he's. it's like he's killed it. the, the, the boards board. worn down to the point where they're like... Bleh. That's a rosewood board too. Yeah, right? that's yeah. a slab board, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That strat just there, I've done five refrets and I went through stainless steel within a year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like that's that's the luthier is like that's going to be the last refret. So that is my pride and joy. It's just such a shame. What is this? It's going to be a killer fretless guitar, though. I think. What is it? (laughs) It's a a new thing. Two thousand and nine, fifty-six relic. Yeah, it wasn't relic. I've just. It wasn't. That's all me. But it's custom shop. Custom shop. Custom yeah. shop. Yeah. I've got one of these with little frets. I'm trying to sell it. There you go. Man, this is a like relic. a great sell. Relic. <laughs> relic, heavy relic. Looks like that. I've got, I've got a <laughs> Martin. Uh, no. And it's got the V sort of neck. Oh, that yeah, yeah, V yeah, yeah, is beautiful. It's a beautiful sounding guitar, but I just can't play it. And I don't want to edit it. I don't want to. I want to sell it as it is. Okay. What's the. the uh, why am I asking questions? Uh, no, just please. Asking, I'm just, there's lots of guitarists here, so I'm asking. Um, pedal hype, for one, like, because there's so many, like, you know how now there's, you know, obviously there's the the Klon Centaur hype and all that stuff, and then so many it's, pedals is like a world industry now. But then also, like, the whole custom shop relic guitar thing. Like, would you guys rather just get a guitar built by, say, Frank Grabisa or Charles Celia or Jeff Marley or something like that or go the Fender? Like, you know what I mean? Do you think, like, Fender and Gibson have lost some of the prestige of what they are versus, like, guys that… I don't think Fender have. No, not Fender. No way. You don't think so? (laughs) No, I mean in the sense of, like, like would you go and buy, like, an American Standard… Strat, or would you get a Nash, or would you no, get? No, I'd buy Fender. I'd buy Fender. Yeah, too. yeah. I really like the um, I really like the um, custom shops and the relics because oh, they yeah. they spend so time on them. It's great though. wood. The necks always feel great. The pickups are. I think it's kind of they spend a little bit more time on those things, yeah. be, belting them up. And the beauty about it is, if you scratch it or you you drag it along the ground, it's still worth the same amount. <laughs> yeah. And there's something that they do to the necks that I don't think. I felt in anyone else's necks on the market. Just that roll off. Yeah. It's just Fender, and they just have it bang on. Again, if there's a really good Nash on the wall and you play it, and it's freaking amazing, well, and it feels good. So great. many more other options of a Strat. Yeah, you know, the, you know, Paul. for me, some of the boutique stuff feels really clinical. Like Sirs, you mean? Like like those? Uh, they're like, just like so nice and. And I feel like I can't bash it. And yeah, that's like I don't a, know what it is. I, that's something like, I wonder if it's these like, are so expressive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no. I just was saying. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> are you live, Chris? You are. Um, 
you mentioned your guitar and Mark was asking about the refrets. Do you want to explain to the nice people at home what your strat is? Because I know we've talked oh, about it. Uh, it's an 80, it's, it's not your typical sort nah, of, it's you know, tail, yeah, it's a hard tail, but it's an 83. What a great year. And, and the way it came, <laughs> yeah, it is an awesome year. 83. <laughs> like me. September 1983. Okay. Oh, that's why. All right. <laughs> Not because of Van Halen really sort of releasing well, 1984. Right. You could still be my child. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good uh, year. That particular strat came out, it was weird. Like it, it had uh, the input on the... Um, uh, on the scratch plate. scratch plate. I think it was the yeah. Dan Smith era, I think. Yeah. Scratch plate yeah. with the input going straight out. Look, it looks stupid, you know. But um, the neck felt great, and uh, and it had a mod that input was changed, so it's underneath uh, the bottom part of the body. Yeah, and that's it. And, that, I, and uh, I just souped coil? it up to my thing. All single coil. It was singles at the time now, and I made it. Dug a hole in HSS. Yeah. And you were doing stuff with Fender today. Yes, last night. Yeah, and tomorrow. Yeah, and tomorrow. Do you want to tell us about that? Um, I'm just. Demoing the latest series, um, it's oh, the American Ultra ones. Yes, yeah. the Ultra. Are they good? They look good. Yeah, they're like sort of up against this this uh, sort of. Okay. Line. So they're the top end before you go custom shop. Yeah, because I've yeah. seen all the the demos. Like Kirk Fletcher, who's yeah. a friend of mine, was demoing it. Who's like speaking of funky rhythm players? He's yeah, really man. amazing yeah. funky rhythm player. Yeah. Um, and Ariel Posen, who's another great guitar oh, player. He's great. Um. And uh, and Justice West. I don't know if you guys are they have heard using of that. ultras. Yeah, well, they're in ads because okay. I've seen because I follow them on Instagram. I know Ariel and I know Kirk, but and Corey Wong, who's another great funk player. Um, but um, yeah, they're they're really pulling out all the stops. Mm. So I was like, are these good? And then mm. I get to ask someone who's played them. Are they really good? Yeah, they're quality. Yeah. yeah. Because well, they more they, the traditional sort of yeah. Because that's I mean they've got like push button yeah. splits and all that yeah. kind of crazy yeah. stuff. stuff they? But they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well I've got, I've got a I've got a bass that had the push button and I took it to Piers Crocker and said, hey man, um, can you just take all this stuff out straight away? Thanks, man. And just like, Actually, what you should cool. try out is the Fender Tone Master. Oh, the lightweight no tubes. Have you seen yeah. it? Yes. Have you tried it? No, I haven't. Oh, you'll like it. It's a it's a it's a modern transistor. Band. Yeah. yeah. It's got the it's got IRs in it. Um, I've already got that. I and know more. you got the axe effects. <laughs> I've got that. But you're times just, a billion. He's not allowed. You like the technology? Right? He's just not allowed. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Look, it sounds like it's a great idea, but I, I'd still be frustrated. I want every, I've always wanted a Marshall, a Vox, and a Fender amplifier on stage, and now I've got it. At least as close as I'm ever going to get to having all those things. But I know they look yeah, great. They, they sound they're they're great awesome. and they're really light. So yeah. it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. it's a freak out. Yeah, oh, I have to try one. And they've done really Fender. well with the IRs. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Does everybody have a studio at home? Yes, I do. You've got a studio yeah. at home? You've got a studio here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, nearly. <laughs> yeah, right. Dan? Yeah, man. Yeah. I've got a little home studio, yeah. portable one too. Yeah. Probably. What's your favourite pedal of all time? I'm just asking a question. No, good question. <laughs> I'm asking. This is a deep question. I like your word. All time. Volume. Ooh, hey, that's a good one. That is a good one. 
right. Well, no, I just. It'll always be there. Yeah. yeah. Everything else changes. Current or past. Favorite pedal. Wow. I, I endorse a company called Paranalog Devices, and I actually made a pedal with them that's been really successful, but it's just a, base, a boost pedal. It's called a vintage tone booster. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, it literally makes the amps that I have sound like my 64 Vibraverb. Oh, yeah. Like, it just goes, but it's really musical. That's it. Then? Uh, We're all getting one of those. Cheap Screamer. Yeah, Cheap Screamer, yeah. (laughs) I'm a big fan of these. I bought a a second-hand full-tone, full-drive, the MOSFET edition, the red one. And I can't put the thing down. I bought it by accident off a a mate of mine, and um, I love it. And I I did the bulk of my gigs even. Sometimes it's just that, where it's set as a a boost and a... um, just an overdrive, or you can get overdrive and just uh, like a, I guess the compression to stay in the thing. But yeah, man, I think that is my favorite drive that I've used anyway. But yeah, shoot screamer. So it has to be a drive pedal? No. No, any no. any pedal. It can be that lexicon that you're selling. <laughs> I reckon the Boss the Boss DD20 is the best delay pedal. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, that's, yeah. That is a classic. Why? Because the chip. it's easy to use. You can change the uh, screen to be either beats per minute or milliseconds. Mm. Um the tap tempo, the the switch boss have got the best switches. Right, that this square is true. block. Yeah, yeah. So when you're tap tempoing, you're not missing. Yeah, you know, with other ones, you're like sort of oh shit, yeah. it's just not t- in time. Yeah, you know? I love the idea of the um like uh, barefoot buttons and things. That's such oh, yeah, a great yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. The, they've got all those things. Sorry, what's a barefoot button? Well, it's a button that goes on top of your. It's a button, button. for your button. It's a bigger button. Oh, and what? they come in different sizes, and they come. Wider, it rather gives than you more your little, surface. Rather than that, step on. so it's a guitar. That's a guitarist thing, clearly. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, it's a button thing. Try them on a bass drum pedal. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like putting a really big shoe on you. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the picture I had in my head. Yeah, really, that's pretty much it. <laughs> right, yeah, DD twenty. So not not a classic old like what's the the DD three? Uh, Was that the, the, the oh, got one of them? But yeah, yeah. no, the DD twenty take the it to any gig. Yeah, yeah. I have to look at them up. Matt, I don't know which one it is. Yeah, favorite pedal. What's, what's your favorite pedal? Um, I had a DD20, loved it. It mm. turned me into a delay snob because instead of just having one delay. Now? You got a str- are you on the Strymon? Nah, I'm using, um, I've got a Boss MS3 switcher. Oh, yeah. Um, but best favorite pedal, um, MI Crunchbox, the new one, the newest yeah. one by Michael Ibrahim here in Sydney, Sydney guy. Killer, box. Yeah, yeah. 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 But the new one, the the old one, I, I didn't get on with. But the new one's yeah. kind of cool. Um, but I wish I knew about this years ago. But stacking drives, are you guys into that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So running like just something with a big mid boost, like a tube scream or a Boss Super Overdrive, into that. Super best yeah, thing ever. Robert Keeley Super Overdrive mod. Oh, the mod. Yeah, that is awesome. And the OD Eleven Love Pedal. Oh, see the cot fifty, the cot fifty. I have love pedal. Saw one over here. Off, like with the with nothing on. Like you turn the pedal on and just turn it down, so it's zero, and it just adds fur. That's that's tied with the January. What did you say? Adds adds fur. Yeah, 
You just know very, I'm, just slow. You know what I'm going to say, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's it's really interesting. I I I and you can do all of this on the new. Yeah, no, what, what, what amazes me is, me is <laughs> I mean, uh, from an observer, as an observer observer of people that buy pedals and and I've always bought rack gear and I've had pedals and I've done all that. What amazes me is we got people that spend eight hundred dollars on a reverb and complain that the X effect is too grand. It, it, it if outs- they made the XFX look like the reverb, but even if you ju- <laughs> even if you just used it for reverbs and delays, you're winning. You know, it just amazes me that people go, "Ah, oh, it's too expensive," and like the people that complain about it, like yeah. it is like a bit of a yeah, it's hey. bizarre. It's really uh, well, because you you don't use that because you want the imperfections. Like if you want a pedal or a reverb spring tank, you want it because it's going to go when you stamp on it and. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I reckon, man, amps, freaking the, the reverb and a Fender amp. That's it, right? What, what the spring, it? yeah. I don't yeah. use that. <laughs> no, but it is a, t- it's a yeah. sound. I've got, I love it. I've got the separate tube spring, um, that oh, yeah. one where it's I'm just assuming. a tube, and, and, and that as a preamp is pretty killer. Right. Like, um, you go into that and then into the amp. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, and so it's tube out in, tube out, and then more tube. Yeah. Heaps of tubes. And some people use it just for the preamp, hey? Yeah. Like turn the reverb. I, I recorded a track where I went uh, into the spring tank, out, straight into a neve, and just dimed the neve so it had that full revolution. Yeah. And it was just, it's, it's killer. It sounds really, really good. That's awesome. That's kind of like yeah. the Echoplex, hey? Because people. Yeah, do, yeah. Do they, the you just drive the preamp. Like when I was talking about the Echo Fix one mm. at the beginning, you just. And that's the thing, you can do all that stuff on the XFX, like if you want to. It's just, I think it's more it comes down to the tactile nature of like, yeah. if you're someone that prefers to have like a that's heavy right. metal pedal, yeah. stick it in the ground and love doing that and going, oh, it's not quite right. Then. But you know, I mean, I know it's a sound. It's a thing when you plug, you know, you, you go into pedals and then you, you hit an amplifier. But see, that's all well and good if you're a clean amplifier sound and you use mm. distortions. But if yeah. you're, I mean, I've never liked the sound of pedal distortions and I've always gone for amplifiers. Just driving the Especially amp. in the studio. Like, you know, it, I've always had amplifiers as distortions. So, and it always amazes me why people spend $800 on a reverb and then plug it into a preamp and go through an amplifier and then into a, a guitar speaker. All, reverb you're saying. Yeah. all you're doing is distorting and colouring a a reverb. Reverb is something well, that, like I like to, because I've worked in studio yeah. all my life, I like that sound of do whatever you need to do, mic it up, and then put your stuff on. Yeah, like post, reverb post. Yeah. Well, and I guess then you get into the whole effects loop thing, like if you put your delays and reverbs. Well, you know, the other thing the is a delay will 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 react differently if you put it into a, a, an amplifier. Because, yeah. you know, you, you're... you're Tone of a delay is determined on input, right? Yeah. Like anything. And so each delay is going to sound different. And now that's a sound. I get that. But it's not like you can do that digitally if you want that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, it, it's, when I'm talking about pedals, I'm not speaking about an overdriven amp. I'm yeah, you go, you go clean, clean amp, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the same. Like yeah. I, That's why I got the yeah. SL68 and it's just volume for days. So it just is like a wall of clean fatness. Yeah. I've got like a high watt 412 cab with 400 watt speakers in it and it's just clean. Then, I've, then I used to have like the Cot 50 
a Timmy and a Jan Ray and maybe a Fuzz. And I would progressively stack mm. the more I couldn't hear on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Pete? Um, for the XFX things, I'm, I'm all for the, the options and things, but when, when you're on a gig, and especially if you go from amp to amp, um, like what's the tweakability like? Or if you're in a different room? Because I know you test all your sounds in a studio. You don't just do it at home. You, no. you play them loud. But when you're on the gig, how well, do you... I've got to the stage now where I know what my speakers sound like so I can, I can actually... At first, I didn't. I couldn't do this. I couldn't go write sounds in the studio and then take them live. But now I know how to do that. Okay. So I've, I've got that down. So I can take my rig upstairs and no, no monitor and I'm fine. I think that, you know, I have banks and banks of stuff. So I have... Uh, I mean, I found the ultimate speaker uh, IR, so I use that on everything. Yep. And I occasionally add things that I, I, I like, like a 112 or something. I never use a quad, quad because when you're modeling a quad and they're, 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 they've got microphones everywhere and they, they're, they're modeling bottom end of a quad, like back and front. And, and, yep. and then you put that through a monitor that has its own bottom end you're just screwing with bottom end and you're just doubling up on bottom end. So that's why I think a smaller speaker works better, sounds tighter. But I have, uh, I have so many patches and within each one of those patches, I can turn on four overdrives, eight overdrives within each patch. So I can go, well, for this sound, I want that clean sound, not that clean sound. And that's all, like I can hit that button four times and it'll do a different thing. Mm -hmm. And then I can go to a... So I've got everything... Like as I say, I want it so I can improvise on the spot. I want it set up like pedals, but I also want to have amplifiers switched. So I'm, I'm it's complex. Yeah. But it's but it's that's what I've always wanted. I want versatility at all times. And that, that's the only thing I think that's stopping it, isn't it? Is that initial getting over the hump of yeah. That's understanding. It. Most that people it's buy like them, plug them in, and go, go oh, what? that's a good sound. And then they get the gig and go, oh, it sounds like shit. Sounds like fuzz. Well, yeah. It sounds great in the studio, but you're which, which is what I had. Like yeah. the initial thing, I was like, "This is frightening." But then, then there's the other thing with these units. If you don't know about amps to start with, that's it. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. yeah. That's it, Chris. Yeah. That's it. And this is the problem that, that I, I get with people contacting me on the forums and all that sort of stuff is they send me their patches, and I go, "Man, you, you, you've you've shoved." The reverb in front, you've done all the things wrong mm. and you don't know what an amplifier does mm. and you, all your gain structure is wrong and all that sort of... Once you, you know, luckily I've had a lot of experience with a lot of amplifiers. I've had lots of amplifiers, so I know how they work. But most people don't. Mm. And especially now that, that everything's a, a software instrument or it's in a pedal, you mm. know. Yeah, well, I, I would make the joke with um, on tour because this is the first time I've used that virtual guitar amp thing. And I'd always just laugh because I just look over at the keyboard players on their Nords and, <laughs> and go, "Wait a minute, <laughs> you guys have been doing this for a decade." <laughs> like, and it's true. Like when you think about all that, like those guys, they've been not playing. Yeah, they've been living that world, whether they like it or not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What cool. else you got there for us, Matt? What else we got? All right. Um, it's getting on. It is getting on. Uh, great gigs, horror story gigs. I have a hilarious one. Oh, it's not really hilarious. Wait, well, it is kind of funny. First time I ever played guitar for Jimmy, uh, it was in Mauritius. And 
and I'd played some bass and stuff like that. And he was like, hey, you can play guitar. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that, whatever. Yeah, it'd be cool. And anyway, so I'm like, yeah, sick. I'm going to play guitar for Jimmy in Mauritius. Great. And he would fly over. I, I think I just, because I sold all my guitars when I moved to Sydney so I could pay for rent and stuff because I was getting bass gigs. So I was only playing bass. So I was like, shit, I just bought the... Like a Would Japanese player first or a guitar player? Guitarist first. So I, so I grew up playing guitar from 12 to about 16, 17. And then my mate got into the con on guitar. So I said, oh, I'll just play bass in this band we're playing. So I just took up bass. And then um, oh. and then played bass ad nauseum till, till then. But yeah, so playing guitar, bought a Japanese 50s telly. You know, those like, just like a maple neck guy, didn't have any pedals. So I was like hunted around. I found a rat and I was like, sick. All right, I've got a Proco rat and a, and a telly. Let's go. And I'm like, what amps have they got there? And they're like, oh, they've got a Marshall. And I was like, oh, sick. This would be a vibe. Then a telly with a rat and a Marshall. That'll be great for Jimmy's gig. Anyway, we fly over to Mauritius and it's all great. And then we finally get there. And we go to the gig and it's a Marshall Valve State. (laughs) Like, and not a big Marshall Valve State either, like the little practice amp one. And I was just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. He's going to kill me. It was like... I had a similar story of when when I first joined Dragon and it was late 80s and our first... So we'd done two weeks or whatever it was of rehearsals and our first gig was the MTV uh, special on Dragon. And all oh, our gear, that. yeah, that. and all our gear was on a truck to Perth for our first gig. Let's do Perth because it's you know it's yeah, far away. It so all our gear is on the truck, and I got a sponsorship that week for crate amplifiers. <laughs> Need I say any more? Yeah. <laughs> so we all Milk got crate, crate amplifiers. amplifiers. You know, um, Mike. Kane said, yeah, I'll try it out. Let's do it. It was fucking terrible. Mm. I mean, it was okay. We got through it, but it was not yeah, good, yeah. you know. And that was the first gig was the MTV oh. thing. I had an um, incident at the State Theatre with um, Tina Arena opening like the show. Love it. So I start, uh, you know, song Burn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I start, I do this little intro on the acoustic, and the guitar tech had given me the guitar, put it over, but the strap wasn't on properly. Oh, it was sort of oh, bent. Yeah. So I get, I do this little lick just before Tina comes in, and the guitar drops, and I just caught it. <laughs> <laughs> and she was up the front, and she felt something was not right. She turns around, and she just, she's like, oh. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> yeah, it. you're at the mercy of yeah. if your band leader's like yeah. a good sport at that yeah. moment, aren't you? Like, look at me, please don't, please don't make this worse. Oh, she was really cool, but uh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a legend. <laughs> that was my shitty moment. But yeah. The only one I can remember that was a bit of a weird one was the first time I did a gig at the bridge and it was with Andre Kamen and Andre had been playing... Or singing for you for many years. What's that? What's that on a Sunday afternoon when I wasn't there or something? Uh, I don't know when it was with Black Diamond Heart. Oh, okay, yeah. And man, I always used to come and watch you. Like one of my biggest inspirations and playing with Andre is like, man, you get to play the bridge. That's, that's my home ground. That's my trading ground. I'm like, yeah, woo! All right, let's see. And everyone came to watch Andre because they've been watching you. And it was the first solo of a song, and I 
let rip and let this big solo out. And this guy comes up to him and goes, hey, hey. He goes, get the fuck off your stage, you pop star. And I'm like, oh. all right, thank you. <laughs> so, Love it. There you go. There's my story. Love it. Yeah, the first time. Love it. Yeah. I've, I'll never forget Mahalia and I were doing supports for Jimmy. I think it was Yamba, maybe. And it used to happen all the time. <laughs> but like, you know, it's Mahalia and they know who she is and where all they're playing. And then the crowd's like, just fuck off, you cunt. Like, just going <laughs> off. Horrible. Like, constantly. And we would get this all the time. And like, and, and I was new to, to Jimmy's crowd. I was like, ooh, this is a bit frightening. Um, and I just, and we used to get all the time. And I just got to this point. Mahalia was pretty good. And then one of the days we were just all in a bad mood. And she was like, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to play K-San, Flame Trees and Working Class Man, and then he won't have to, so shut your fucking mouth. And then from then on, everybody loved us. Like, it was great. It was like the rite of passage, like, to like, you know, like, oh, she's all right, we love her. It was like, oh, man. Mm. Audiences, audiences are wonderful. We love them. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in that support, Jimmy, Jimmy. Thing, like it's years ago, brutal, with Richie, you know, Richie Bez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a band together. It was Andre on vocals, Fab on drums, and we were supporting uh, Jimmy at Shell Harbor. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going for a full on rock and roll band, and there's just people at the, at the front just sticking their middle <laughs> finger up. Yeah. At us. <laughs> 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 it's a right of it's like, and I swear if you're not from Australia you wouldn't understand. Like, well, that's why I always thought that the support band thing was a silly idea because you never paid to go and see a support band. Yeah. You know? But if, if you but can, how's if, the mentality of the, it's like they're following a football team. Yeah, if you yeah. can win, if that's what I mean. We used to always think with crowds like that, if you can win them over, then then you're doing all right. Yeah. Like if you can, and and that's I think a, a Aussie pub rock thing is like I think even if. Sometimes even if they're there to see you, they're like that in Australia. And if you can win over a pub rock crowd and entertain them without them throwing beer bottles at you, which yeah. I've had ducked quite a few yeah. playing gigs in Canberra <laughs> and Newcastle when I was younger. Yeah. Like uh, Fannies. Yeah. Fanny Bay. <laughs> Fannies up at Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Know it well. Oh, Maitland. <laughs> Fannies. Oh, mate. And that's what I mean. If you if you can if you can press the pub rock crowd in Australia as a guitarist, especially, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. To be honest, the other questions apart from the working with the tech, you've basically answered in all your questions anyway. Uh, sorry, you've answered them in your answers. Yeah. Um, there was something about. Um, uh, um, I have to give a shout out to Hayden Vasallo. If we're talking about techs, yeah, know. there was something okay, about. Let, let me ask that question. Then. There was something yeah, about. I'm just, I'm just going to just say we don't have to talk about him because okay. I don't want to. But I'm just. <laughs> he's been my guitar tech. For like ten, he's been my guitar tech for like ten years. Full so, stop. Yeah, okay. pretty much. There was a question that somebody asked about um, what we thought of James Muller, and I think he's one of the fucking best guitar players on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that that was coming. Also, if we're talking, Steve Magnuson is one of uh, an incredible Australian guitar player. Who I don't know him. He incredible. I saw a gig on his him and uh, Julian Wilson. It was like Melbourne, Melbourne guys, and oh, what was the bass player? Uh, but it was like Bill Frizzell kind of vibes, and it was just so killer. Like he's a really great guitar player in in that James Muller vein yeah, of cool. jazz. The James other person I love completely is Ray Beetle. 
yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That guy. Wow. What a joy. What a joy and a flow of consciousness that guy has. Mm. It's, it's, it's humorous. It's tasty. It's beautiful. I love him. Uh, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable singling out um, guitarists because everyone's good at their own thing in their own way. But there is one particular young guitarist that's coming up called Josh Meter who is mind-blowing. And so I, I, I find him to be um, doing what James Muller sort of did when he was in Sydney before he moved to Adelaide. And I think this guy's very much going to fill that wow. gap and, and more. So he's one to watch for sure. Okay. Well, we had I, I put, um, put the call out again to the millions of podcast followers and um, took days to get through them all. But I... <laughs> <laughs> managed managed to cut it cut it down to five. Just <laughs> cut it down to five people. Yeah, there were no, six, five, so five, it took a lot of work. No, actually, three of the three of the questions from the same person. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of us in a suit. <laughs> you know, I thought that. No, where do you get your? Shoes I started from? up another yeah. profile on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the uh, well, there's a couple of questions they were on Instagram from. Um, uh, it is totally N- one of those like N- Russian bots, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. N N T O A N I L. Totally. Internal. What is the future of live music, and what kind of opportunities or challenges do you see in the future? I can answer this. XFX. What? Three thirty naps. I reckon that the future of live music is streaming. So I think there's going to be a lot of online concerts rather than going out live. And oh. I think that's one of the struggles that we're going to have to face in the, in the well, next 10 did, years. Did you guys see the Coldplay? Because uh, we're all massive Coldplay fans here, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, I don't they, they, they don't, they're, they're not... Um, touring. They're not touring because they can't justify it. Like oh, in shit. terms of the greenhouse gas. Wow. Um, oh. And they did a huge live from Aman Jordan, I think it was, like 360 cameras, did a full concert of the new album on YouTube. You could watch it live first before the album even came out. They did a full concert um, and it's just online. And they're like, yep, that's it. That's what and that's, that's cool if you've got the money, man. Yeah. That's not yeah. where we're... Well, what? I was going to call them and say, hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've actually received um, emails from companies that are investing into the online thing. And, you know, would you like to be one of the featured artists to do an online concert? You know, you get paid 500 bucks every time you do a show and people can tip and stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, but my answer is like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. That's that. If there's a younger generation that want to do that, awesome. But that's really strange for me. And I think there is a, a great <coughs> market out there for the future of all that stuff. But I mean, we can pick and choose whether we want to be a part of it or not. But I think it's... You know, the, the live music scene in Sydney has changed a hell of a lot. And it's it's almost like people are going out in the hope to be entertained rather than going out for the art and the cultural side that is music. Mm. And it's just a really weird vibe sometimes. Mm. Like Even at comedy shows, like I've heard some horror stories where comedians get up and, and do their skit and the people are sort of just sitting there going, Ah, it's not entertaining me tonight. No, no. And wow. maybe that's just the days of streaming and Netflix and instantaneous things. You yeah, see, yeah. we're saturated now. Yeah, we, we are completely saturated with with yeah. with music. Yeah. I mean, like, I, who wants to go and see a fucking band? It's shittier. The beer's too expensive. It's yeah, I can't drive home. It's all those things. However, 
See, for me, my generation, it's really healthy mm. because the people that come to see my shows are gig fit. They've always gone to gigs. Now they're yep. at the age where their children have grown up. Yep. They're, they're not looking after them anymore. And they've got money. They're cashed up. Yep. So for my generation, it's fantastic. It really is. Well, and a, a weird thing, having just done this tour with Jimmy, um, it, was, it was actually really nice to notice... Uh, I guess I'm middle-aged now anyway, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes me a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it was really, really great to see there was a lot of young people coming to the shows, which, like, you know, you go, oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it's actually like, I, I feel like it's turning again because yeah. I think it's that thing of what happens is generationally people go, oh, yeah, I can watch it on Netflix and blah, blah, blah. But then they go, oh... No, I want to go out to a rock show and it just be sweaty and I lose my shirt and I don't know what happened to my shoe and, you know, like, and have a good time. Like, it, it feels weird for us because it's not for us, but for them, they go, let's do some old-fashioned shit and go out to a rock and roll show. <laughs> well, well, it's well, interesting. It's like vinyl. Was, Vinyl's was, coming back. It's that same Well, thing. it's, it's yeah. a niche market. It's always yeah. going to be a niche market. It's interesting because I was speaking to somebody about this only yesterday, is that we we are all becoming a niche market. Uh, everything is a niche market. But the, the interesting thing about live music is that most kids that want to play live music want to play stuff that you and I grew up on. Totally. Because there's nothing great for a guitar player yeah. to listen to these days. And, and those guys have been influenced by... The, the, the classic rock play people. So the kids want to hear that, what their parents grew up on. And so that's where that market yeah, it's, comes that's from. that's what I mean. It's like yeah. what, what their parents listen to is cool again. They're yeah. old enough that they're like, actually, yeah. And it is. It's got substance, you know. I listened to a Super Tramp album the other day. And I went, fuck, this is amazing. Do, do you think that, uh, what do you think of the state of popular music? Today, in I terms of as a guitar player, is I struggle with pretty it. Pretty dire. I struggle. Like, what, are you talking about Kiss FM? <laughs> <laughs> Kiss. Yeah, I mean Kiss. How do you feel about Kiss canceling that? No, um, no. I mean, in the sense of like, just generally, like, like mm. obviously, we were talking about some great guitar players at the beginning, but just into like, and you, you were talking about a pop music today as a guitar player, you know, and Dan, like, you know. Is there a role for us, or are we just kind of fit in there to do guitar solos like you know, Betancourt and Rihanna's band kind of thing? Most of my work is pop, and it's playing with DJs and and doing dance music songs and sessions for dance artists and stuff like that. So there is a, a market for it. It's very very simplistic parts. It's a lot of skanks and and a lot of stuff that have roots in funk and uh, I suppose soul and a little bit of R and B. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, to tell you the truth, I think Pete's exactly right. It's a, it's an oversaturated market. So the music that's on the radio isn't necessarily made with the intention to last decades. It's just to fill that gap. That's you know a money making thing that's there one day and gone the next, so another one can go in its place and do all that stuff. Yeah. It's um, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> there, he said it. Yeah, he That's said great. It. Thanks, mate. We didn't have to. It's hey, ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Cantelis that said yeah, that. I don't, Not I'll, us. I'll stand by it. <laughs> I'm with you. Look, yeah. as I say, try to listen to the, the Spotify. Every now and again, I just go, do it, Peter, do it. Are you fucking kidding? We're going to do a, a, hey, do a podcast listening to Top Put 15. on radio, and, and this is what it is. There's one It'll stupid be a video gimmick one that's going on throughout to catch the listener. There's 10 tons of shit going on around it. Yeah. Like, the, 
It could be a dog's bark. It could be fucking a cat meowing. <laughs> Seriously, it's really fucking a shark. Bad. I love who let the dogs yeah, out. Baby shark. I, I said this in one of the... Shit sandwich. In my podcast before, but there's... The Smells TV, a glove. TV killed the radio star and I think now production has killed the songwriter. And I think that's a big thing yep. that's happened. But then, but then there's like no, there's uh, good stuff out there. What, what, it's just like, not on the radio. Whether you like yeah, it or not, yeah. though. But like, like, but radio's so unimportant now. Anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody. I've, I haven't listened to radio for decades. You, you don't listen to Carl Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> if I listen to the radio, it's it's ABC podcast. Right. What, but what do you think about like people like say Adele cutting through all the. You know, and selling actual physical copies, and everyone in the world buying a copy of that album, whether you like it or not, because we're all playing it Which at one? every wedding. Which one? Adele, like her. Oh, I love that's Adele. Ten, you got to remember. That's, I mean, like, there's, there's still all years those, old. Yeah, that's no, not current. No, the latest album's really. only uh, three years old, isn't it? Mm. But I think that's what happens when songwriting matches the production. And that's what I mean. It's it's just like yeah. it's still there, but it's it's just like it's rare when it just like comes through. But when it does, it's so big in the. And and I just wonder if there's like I, I feel like acoustic guitar still has a real relevant place in popular music. Hey, you know you know another artist that kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna we're totally because I think she's podcast. awesome. I think Sia is awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. get her away from that David Guetta guy. Whatever his name. Oh is. Guetta. <laughs> get yeah. get her away yeah. from that shit. Guetta out of there because you hear a really good song <laughs> with a great vocal, and then it goes it does that turn. <laughs> With the side chaining and all that bullshit. See, she is an incredible singer. She is, yeah. He's an incredible anyway, songwriter. I'm too. getting negative now. Okay, and then what do you think of this song by the Jonas Brothers? Oh, I love his guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a horror gig story right there. I think Chris is right though. There's so much good stuff if you just want to dig around and find it. I think, yeah. I know when I was growing up, probably for most of us, there was lots of great. Obvious guitar on the radio. They got kids excited about great guitar playing. Mm. Um, I know as a teacher, like the stuff my kids listen to, there's not a lot of cool stuff, and and the ones who are really into it will find it. But there's not as much. Yeah, as as a parent, mass coverage. It's, so it's weird. Like my my daughter is ten, and so growing up in a musical family, as we're talking about, she'll go and she'll put on like the Beatles or. Um, Stevie Wonder, like on vinyl, she loves vinyl, you know, like and but so we got her like Sia on vinyl, or um Lord, she was obsessed with. But then, then she's obsessed with like Lil Nas X, Old Town Road at the same time, you know, or um. <laughs> you were telling me about this, <laughs> yeah, and it's like well, see, this would be interesting because because having children would expose you to them some of that stuff. See, well, I'm not exposed I've, to I've it. I've always made a point for me of listening to whatever is hip, you know what I mean? Like, because even if I hate it, I want to be able to say why I hate it. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's that's really important with music is, because if you just go, I hate this, I'm like, I don't want to be my parents when they heard us play in a band and go, this music is terrible when you're getting a real job, you know? I, I You know? And, well, and I was that's saying, why, you know, I, you, getting back to what you, you're saying is, I remember when I was a kid and I said to my mum, I'm going to continue to listen to modern music. That's why I still do the top top 50. But as the years go by, I struggle and struggle and struggle to find anything mm. of anywhere near what I grew up with. Yeah, but then there's things like that. And that's the thing I find, like, like I don't, like Billie Eilish, 
there's some, there's something about that that's kind of like cool. Like I'm like, yeah, oh, I, what? I, I agree. Like, why would you say yeah. like this? I'm like, yeah. wow, that's really clever. Yeah, you know, because it because it, it's that thing we're talking about. It's the polar opposite to everything that's happening. Instead of it like I'm like all the drops and stuff. It's like the, the first thing I right and the you first listen thing that listening. I listen to is is. I don't know whether it's, yes, it is me, but the first thing I listen to is, does this person understand what they're doing? Do they, do they understand the chords? Do they understand why, why are you singing that, that fourth over that, that note, over that chord? And that's what pisses me off because I goes, you're not making music, you're guessing it. Well, and then what is hard, because we've all been in this world and like if you're making modern music as like popular, is that, Nowadays, a lot of what the singer sings to isn't what ends up on the radio. So they're like at the mercy of the producer a lot yeah. nowadays. Well, a lot of the session work I get, it's literally a top line that someone's put down at some stage and then someone else has gone, hey, I think I've got a beat that could match that. Why don't we put them together and send them to people to see what chords come back? And that's the job description. That's it. Oh, it's like, that's wow. it. dude. See, that's guessing. Yeah. It's that literally, it's like, how, how many different versions can of this song can you make? I'm like, uh, okay, here's five. Yeah, yeah, right. And then the best one wins. It's literally, it's like, which one's going to appeal to a board of people that have no musical bone in their body, but have cash in their wallets and go, would I buy that? No, nah, gone. And that's and uh, it's we're over. At, we're at the mercy of people yeah. that are behind those, you know, jobs that pick and choose. It's not musicians. It's, 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 it's. It's. I mean, I don't think it's changed that much. I think it's much the same as it's always been. It's just like there's way more Bay City Rollers now. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. (laughs) It's way dumber. It's dumber. We've dumbed it down. Like we've saturated everything. Everything's saturated. You know, I look at um, advertising music because I've done so much of it. And and I look at it and it's like now it's a, a popular song that gets put to a car ad. And mashed and, up. And what doesn't sounds- work, and it doesn't work because I could I could say to you, do you know what the song that is and what the what car it's selling? And you'll probably go, no. Yeah. Dio, Holly Diver. See? <laughs> What's and the car? The only, I, I can't remember, See? but I'm such a Holy Dio driver. fan. <laughs> See? For me, it appealed to me. I was yeah. like, that's Dio. When do we hear Dio on TV? Yeah. <laughs> but Holy it doesn't shit. work. No, I, I well, agree. He bought, he bought the car. I, I totally it. didn't get <laughs> why they did it. See, um, you know, and now I'm You know talking, why they did it? Why? Because someone in that company loves Dio. Yeah. That's or, it. Yeah. Or it was someone like me who loves the pun and they were like, holy driver. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and then there's like, you know, if you look real close, there's like some like Dio's driving with like a... Well, a lot of things there. don't work that we do yeah. now. A lot of things like, you know, you, you, you go searching for... What do I search for? Keyboards. For computer keyboards the other day. And... Now all I'm getting is keyboard ads, but I've already bought one. So none of it works. Mm. None of the system yeah. of advertising works. None of this, this whole system I works. Tried, I, I always talk about money, but I don't get offered money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't watched The Secret, have you? <laughs> hey, I just bought some money. Is my phone on? Yeah, okay, great. Free money, yes. Dan, what do you got to say about this? Far out, we're getting really. Sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> now we're really oh, being guitarists. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's well. Before I used to think I was, it was it was weird to kind of go, oh, you know, music back in the day was this and that. But but I I, I don't. You play any of the old songs, they'll still hold their own. Whether you're in a club or a live thing, like everyone will 
still go bananas over rock with you or, you know, uh, uh, messaging a bottle or something. So it's obviously a testament of how good and wholesome music was, like, and how much it's kind of depreciated per decade. I still think that me personally, like, sometimes it's easier to brush off a lot of things based on the mainstream music, which which I think kind of valid too, because, I mean, Hendrix was a mainstream pop artist back in the day, wasn't he, and the Beatles and stuff, and it was still wholesome. But I think there's so much good stuff going on um, that isn't in the mainstream. Um, and I think there'll always be a world for like people to go see live music, and generally speaking, they're probably going to be, you know, uh, mid-30s and above, like, Although I went to that Kendrick Lamar concert, it was, it was, uh, you know, I thought it was great to see young people out at a at a at a, a good a good artist. Um, yeah, Kendrick's concert. killer. Kendrick's great, and then like even even like some some pop music I don't mind. Like I don't mind Shawn Mendes, and um, you know I I, I love this artist. Her, her name's called Her H dot E dot. Oh, she's killer. Yeah, because she plays every instrument. But I I, I think whether it's a, a system thing or the music world or just the radio world, what it, in mainstream-wise, I'm talking about not indie grassroots stuff, but I think I need a major in still playing an instrument because I, I, I've got... There's a producer I won't name, Sydney Cat, and he's like, man, check this. And I, and I was like, this is ridiculous. This is great. Who play guitar? And he's like, oh, it's a sample pack. And like, I'm like, man, there's, it's, it's just not the same. It's not... It's not there's no authenticity... Of, you know, like I remember even when, like what really got me into guitar was the whole Ben Harper, John Mayer, John Butler trio. Like that was my era where I guess even mainstream radio then, whether you're talking John Mayer, Your Body's Wonderland, still had guitar solos, still had mm. live instrumentation. And that's actually a really clever song, like lyricism as well. Dan, but, I remember the I, days. I, I remember the days we had saxophone solos. Oh. <laughs> hey, they're back just in a nightclub. But, but I, 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 I think things do come back around. But I, I'd love to, I'd well, I'd love to hopefully see the day where you know, like people are going out to see live bands that are young. I mean, Gang of Youths are killing it, and there's yeah. young people seeing them and stuff. But it's, it's still like a, a minority compared to people who are just flogging off EDM, and, and no one really wants to hear that stuff, really, man. And it's not gonna. It's not going to bang in a club or a live bar in 20 years from now like, you know, um, Rock With You is or, you know, Never Too Much or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah, it, I, feel, I feel like a, a, is there going to be cover bands doing David Guetta tunes <laughs> in, 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 hope not, at man. the Sheaf in 20 years? As long as they bring the USB stick, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. But, but <laughs> It's interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, it's 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 it's. I, I love where it's going. I, I love for me, it's fantastic. You know, I I love that I can create a gig and play with some great players and play what I like to play. And I I, I also have this thing about making sure the audience are part of the the involvement. So that having that audience mentality and and knowing that the audience is nothing without the band is nothing without the audience and getting that loop flow thing going. I think that's that's what brings audiences back and I think totally. that 
you know, uh, it, it's, it's great in many ways for me. It's my social event too, you know, just going out to a gig is yeah. such a social event because I don't want to go out and see a band. I, don't, I, I, it's, I know that I've seen it before. I, maybe that is an age thing. I don't know. I don't like to think I'm old because, because I'm not. But it, it's like uh, I've, heard it, I've heard it all before. I, I tell you what, I, did, I went and saw Roger Waters when he came to Australia and that was one of the most potent, like powerful gigs I've seen in my whole life. Yeah. And and he's 70 yeah. something, yeah. 74 maybe. Yeah. And that was like, you know, when like you, you, you lose a bit of faith every now and then in music or whatever and, and you go and see a gig, whether it be say like someone like Kendrick who's just like virile and in the moment, you're like he's speaking to the youth and, and I went and saw Roger Waters and I was just like, because I loved Pink Floyd as a kid. And just the show was incredible for one. But just how much intent he still had at that age, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm going to be. I I can do it when I'm a hundred. If he's like, yeah, yeah he's angry yeah. about the world and yeah. do it. And you know, it's like less often, but you still, as long as you still get that moment in yeah. your life from live music, which we can give to people as the musicians. Yeah. And you just hope if you give that to one person, one kid, one anybody, then they're going to go home and their life will be better for it. Yeah, and that's. That's probably the coolest thing in our job as guitarists, you know. I reckon. The, I reckon the life seems quite healthy. I, I don't think. I mean, I've seen venues open and close, and I've seen bands come and go. People say that there's, you know, there's no venues. There's fucking heaps of venues. I reckon the problem. There's two problems, and it's really, really simple. And it's that we have musicians that don't give a fuck, and yeah. don't put on great shows, and look like shit. We don't have any rock stars anymore. We don't have people that dress up with fucking stars on their eyes or anything. There's none of that anymore. And I think the other thing is that venue operators don't have any idea. You, you can walk in, I can walk into any venue and go, well, yeah. why did you put the stage there? Why, why don't you have the lights? Why are your drinks so expensive? I can go, and you've got one person behind the bar, like, mm. and you've got 10 people deep. Mm. What, don't you understand that if you put a couple of other guys, you know, it's so, it's so simple to me and, and I see these venues closing. It, it's not the government or the, the council or anybody closing it down. It's people with no fucking idea. So I reckon the, the live scene's healthy as all buggery. And as a matter of fact, you know, if I really wanted to, I could go out and do 10 gigs a week again, like I used to in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I choose not to. But it's, it's fine. It's doing great. Kids, mm. <laughs> put a band together. Go and rehearse it up. Put some paint on your face. <laughs> Wear a cape. Three chords and the truth. That's right. Yeah. I can't wait for punk to really come back. <laughs> oh, man. I was just in a bad brain today. Yeah. Refused. Love that stuff. Love refused. Might end it on this one. This is by far the best one. Favourite drummer. Yeah, man. <laughs> not, nah, not favourite drummer, but this is by Richard Goldner. And what's your view on a great drummer to work with? <laughs> what is it about the drummer and their style that makes them great from a guitarist's point of view? Um, well, I love an 808 because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it never does a fill unless you tell it. No. Dr. Rhythm, man. <laughs> Boss Dr. Rhythm. I, I reckon it's really simple for me. I think it's really, really simple. Stay in time. The groove, if you know where the time is and you manage to stay in time, your groove will be there. But your groove is you. But uh, it's all too often I'm pulling back or I'm pushing forward 
try and find. And I'm, I'm not saying that I have great time or I know where the tempo. But you know, I think that also when when part of learning a song is learning the tempo, mm-hmm. like knowing where 120 is, not 121 or 122. Knowing where it is, that's you learn that. Like like you like you you learn pitch. You know how our ears have become like we've almost got perfect pitch now that we've doing. We know what an E course sounds like. So I think it's the same with a drummer. If you play with a drummer that you don't have to struggle with and somebody that understands tempo and time, somebody that can play on the metronome beat, in front of it and behind it. I think it goes all around for the whole band. Like, yeah, the drummer's got to be good, but everyone's got to play, like everyone's got a different sort of feel, you know? So you got to think about that when you're playing with a different drummer. Everyone's got their own sort of swing and... And, uh, you know, you can't be sort of going against them because yeah. you're staunch. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. Yeah, but I find that if I stay with them, I end up either going with them and slowing. I remember this great I, story. I know slowing down. Too. I know this great story <laughs> of this, this drummer. I won't mention his name, but they're playing at a gig. And this keyboard player, he was a famous keyboard player. He said, I just got sick of fighting it all night. I just went with him. And eventually it slowed down. The drummer stopped and he said, what's happening, man? <laughs> it's that bad and I feel like that's don't what play I, with him again no but that's what I feel like that could happen at any time with some some people yeah I, 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 think, I, think, I think I think everyone's got a certain feel and everyone's got to be sympathetic sort to of to the yeah, yeah. like, like I, I feel like like I play with Hibbard Dave Hibbard a lot and I'm always in front of Dave Dave's always behind me as a bass player um, but then if I play with say Warren Trout I can lean back in, or whether I'm playing guitar or or bass, you know what I mean. And so, and it was, and it took me a while when I was young to learn that there's certain drummers that you go, oh, I love this guy because this guy, I can just lean way back and just like just be that guy that's like a bit stoned on the groove, and that's fun and that's like a vibe. But if I did that with with say like Hibbard. He'd go, oh, why is he behind me? Yeah. And then he'd slow down yeah. Yeah, because right. he goes, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm behind you. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. He, in his yeah. mind, the drum is behind that instrument. And do so, you ever do you ever have that conversation? Uh, any, any of you? I, I actually, I, I did years ago. I, I played with because uh, I was working with Dave for the first few. I'd never really worked, and I was working with this guy Remy Rasan, and Remy would just we were into voodoo. We're into D'Angelo, so like he would play, and I would try and be like, you know, five blocks south, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and yeah. and so, and then I started working with Hibbard, and I was like, whoa, what is this Al Green, Al Jackson kind of drum shit going on? I'd never, and I, and it took me like three or four gigs, and I got to this point, and I was like, oh man, we keep signing down. He's like, yeah, but you keep going behind me, and I was like, yeah, but that's what I do. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but that's I play behind you. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, we can do that." And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay." So then I, I see. I'd struggle with that, man. Yeah, so I, 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 I think, can't deal I with think that. The, the drummer's the driver. Yeah, yeah, but you then, know? but then, stylistically, so, we it's it's, so it's they sloppier. Even if they're doing that, like they they just should stay there. <laughs> yeah, stay there. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I I think you're right. I think the the worst thing that a drummer can be is inconsistent and just yeah. unsure. I think when they're unsure of who's leading, what's going on, it's just the worst. And that's where that fight is. If a yep. drummer's there, it's like, this is it. This is what I'm going to be all night. 
and here we are, and there's the pocket. You're just like, thank and, you, God. And you know what and happens? Then you can all play as a band. The other thing that yeah. happens is when you get paranoid about the drummer Ugh. doing that, like pulling back, you start starting songs compensating. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and you're, you're always like, quicker. I know I'm going to start this quicker because he's going to oh, fucking bring it back. He's going to bring it back. nuts. <laughs> I feel dirty. Yeah, I'm just gonna go and have a bath. Then I was I was playing with this drummer Stevie Taylor once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> best experience of your life. No, I, no. Well, I, I definitely would say once again about timing and like I mean, like I grew up listening to hip-hop, I guess, firstly, and that's still my go-to. And a lot of that stuff, whether it's the, the Jay Diller stuff or earlier stuff, it, it just possibly an 8-bar, 12-bar, 16-bar loop on repeat, And but it feels good for five minutes. And if a drummer can make that groove like Steve Jordan feel, you know, that good doing the same thing or minimal without chopping out, I think, firstly, it's a testament of good timing but just loaded would feel like I mean I can listen to Steve Jordan just play the, the most meat and potatoes groove and it sounds great e- even like Declan Kelly who I think is a phenomenal drummer but um, for my original stuff I've been using this guy from Sydney named Tully Ryan and oh, yeah, he's, he's a killing drummer he, he's, it's, but, but what I love about him especially for my stuff is he's got such an identity on his playing um, like he can easily do that obscure, you know, Chris Dave, like playing with different polyrhythms, which isn't really my cup of tea by any means. But um, he, it's a stylistic thing where he'll like be hitting different things, and just where there's like a percussionist as well. And I really like him um, for my material. Um, but but generally, if I'm just playing with drum on a cover gig or any other gig, if, if they can stay in time and make whatever they're doing, like in the verse, feel groovy as hell and feel even better the second verse when it comes around, I think it's great. And again, I reference like the Quest Loves and the Steve Jordan who are just so simple but so just, just in it, which I guess when you're so solid, when it comes to doing like a little tasty uh, feel or uh, some some kind of different thing with dynamics or for a guitarist and a little tasty lick but he's held out for so long and just made it feel good it makes it extra special but um but yeah yeah look we you know I remember many many years ago when I was a kid they we we decided we just we found out that guitar was a rhythm instrument you know and so we are totally connected to I think I'm the my my closest instrument on stage is the drums and yeah. if the drummer's not hearing me and if I'm not grooving with the drummer, the, the gig's shit. It's mm. just, and I, I don't mean it's all shit. I mean, it's just, it's not comfortable. And I'll come home and then have to play for another two hours by myself so that I can get some joy out of it. Isn't it funny? Like, you, 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 when you go away from a gig tired, something's wrong. Yeah. Mm. And mm. when you go away from a gig pumped. Pumped. You want to go and do it again. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it wasn't an effort. That's it. Yeah. There's something about drummers in the hats, the high hats for mm. me. That's where guitarists live. Like we live in the hats, I reckon. Mm. So if if the hats are sloppy, nothing really works. 
She can have a metronome going on and kick and snare, but what happens in between on those hats dictates the groove. Mm. That's what I reckon. So. What do you reckon about that, Stevie? From a drummer's perspective. Fucking awesome. Hi, all of you. Listen, to <laughs> Stevie's new band. Yes. Seven guitars and a drummer. <laughs> I love it. It's a, speaking of that, Jim Kelly had a, uh, a gig called the Guitar Castra, and it was 10 guitar players. And at one wow. stage in one of the songs, they had a pedal solo where everybody stopped playing, and guys would just go. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn pedals on and off for, for, for a whole solo. It was just fantastic. That's really cool. Yeah. Matt, before I close it out, have you got anything you want to say, Ed? I think we've covered a lot of stuff. This yeah, has been so fun. It's been cool. Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Sure. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, honestly, I'm, I'm really humbled to be amongst everyone here. I think there's some amazing talent and years of experience and wisdom in this yeah. room and, and online. And I, yeah, just want to say thank you for having me here yeah, today. Absolutely. It's, awesome. it's been really, really good. Yeah, great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Stevie. No worries, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and agreeing to do this. And, Chris, um, have you got anything else to say? No. Good, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tomner. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I. I don't know what else to say. I'm just, um, yeah, privileged to have. That was. Uh, to hang out with you, you know? It was cool. That was nearly. What, four hours. Nearly four Close hours. To four hours, yeah. Marathon. Oh, yeah. No way. How are you going to edit that? Four thing? part series. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's going to edit it like all my stuff into one podcast, all of Chris's into <laughs> one podcast, all of Mark's into one. All. But the difference, Chris is going to be a three-minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be no, like, no, 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 no. No. All right, guys, thanks so much. And, um, we'll, yeah, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Good on you. Thank you, everybody. Right. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Later, boys. Catch you later. All right, there you go. That was the end of a, a very long night talking guitars. And uh, that was a lot of fun. My, my huge thanks to Stevie Taylor for coming up with the idea and inviting me along for the ride. That was awesome. Thanks, Stevie. Thanks to Mark Malou for having us at his studio. And, uh, and to all the guests, uh, Mark and Peter Northcote, Chris Kemzelis, Ben Rogers and Daniel March. Now, Peter and Chris have both been guests on the Guitar Speak podcast. Ben and Daniel and Mark have all been guests on Stevie's show. I've also invited them to come on the Guitar Speak podcast to speak to them individually. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that. Okay, time for me to go. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Bye now.